Welcome to the Brian Buffini Show, where we explore the mindsets, motivation, and methodologies of success. Here's your host, Brian Buffini. Well, the top of the morning to you, and welcome to the Brian Buffini Show. So excited, by popular demand, as they say, we have a returning <laughs> guest today. My good friend, Scotty Hamilton. Scott, delighted to have you today. Thanks for joining us. Always great to be in your world, Brian. Always. (laughs) Thank you. Every time. Yes, sir. We got rave reviews, not only when Scott spoke at our Mastermind event last year, so much so that Scott's speaking at our Toronto event in November. For all you Canadians, you're in for a treat. But also, when we did our podcast, just got rave reviews, and I'm real excited to talk to Scott today about his new book. Now, for those of you who don't live on planet Earth, I'm going to remind you a little bit about who Scott (laughs) is. So, Olympic champion, world champion, the most recognized male figure skater star in the world, by the way. That is the brand, and he is a great motivational speaker, philanthropist, television broadcaster. If you guys were watching the Winter Olympics... He's a husband, father, cancer survivor, and an eternal optimist. He's a New York Times bestselling author, just wrote a new book called Finish First, and that's what we're going to talk about today. He's also coming off a recent birthday, so he's even wiser than the last time he talked to us. Sage. Sage. That's what I have now. I have sage wisdom now, where before I was just trying to pretend I was smart. Right. Now I've crossed over to stage wisdom. I am not crossed over just yet. I'm faking sage. I'm still (laughs) learning as I go. But we have this book, and I think this is a great book for our times. Everybody wants the shortcut. People are looking for what we call the cheat codes, the life hacks, all Mm short-term quick fixes. But for a guy that's been through so much, endured so much, overcome so much, he wrote a book called Finish First. And it's Winning changes everything. And as we look through these different dynamics and we think about this, you know, we live in a world of participation awards. And we don't have to guess anymore. We don't have to be old grumpies that say, ah, back in my day. The science is in. The science is in. People who are winning and have a generation of participation awards, here's what we've found. The people who win the awards, their self-esteem across the board is lower. People who actually deserved an award devalue the award. And we've lived in this world of trying to make people feel good and trying to make people feel better. And in life, there are people who are winning and there are people who are losing. Now, I didn't say winners and losers because someone's not a loser until that box is closed and the game is over. But uh, you wrote a book and we're talking about winning and we're talking about finishing first and what it takes to do that. And there's some old school principles and some new school thought in here that I think is great. I really feel uh, this Ah, book is, it's beautiful stuff, and I really believe it's timely. I was uh, greatly refreshed in reading it. So my first question for you, and you can go wherever you want to go with this, but talk about becoming a winner, and ultimately, how do you decide to become a winner, Scott? I think usually, you know, pain is our greatest teacher, And I think for a lot of people, you know, now they dismiss or they avoid or they run as fast as they can away from failure. Mm. I'm 100 percent a fan of failure Mm. because at least if you're failing, you're trying. Right. And so what I want to do in this book, and it's a huge chapter for me, is like to really reprogram your idea of what failure is. And Mm. failure to me is information. It's feedback. Mm. So 
for a lot of people that, you know, really don't want to do something because they're afraid of the failure part of it, it's like, no, 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 that's the most important part of it because there's not a person I've met in my life that didn't experience, especially if they're successful, experience a period of failure, experience a period of time where they really just couldn't get out of their own way, couldn't get it right. I came in dead last in so many competitions I lost count. And all that failure kind of got me to a point where it's like, okay, obviously I'm doing something wrong. Mm. What do I need to do right in order to be able to be the person I want to be, live the life I want to live? And again, it comes down to participation trophies. Mm -hmm. We're giving people recognition and awards for doing nothing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you right. know? And it's like, well, it's way better to miss it by that much mm. and feel that, what do I need to do to get there? Right. Than it is to be like, oh, I didn't make it, but still, look, I got right. this beautiful little trophy, and I'm going to put it on my mantle, and, and it's participation. I, I participate. That's all that matters. I believe competition is really important. Mm. I think it makes us better. It makes us hungrier. It makes us want to strive for things, and it really allows us to feel that satisfaction that at the end of the day, we've reached our goal. And the punchline there is that once you reach a certain goal and there's all kinds of wins on the way to that goal, mm -hmm. once you reach that goal, five new paths mm. show themselves. Mm -hmm. So it, it's that pursuit of excellence. It's that pursuit of being better than you've ever been before. And it's navigating the pitfalls and it's navigating the pain points. And it's really just releasing your, you know, fear of failure and critics and all that. And it's really about leaning into what is my purpose and how do I reveal success in my own individual purpose? Right. And we'll get to that purpose concept here in a minute. But one of the things I've heard you say, and you just mentioned it there, you finished last a bunch of times, you experienced it, so on and so forth. Ultimately, every successful coach, athlete, business, anyone who's ever successful that I've ever interviewed or talked to or learned from, all have experienced failure and all will say that basically it's that persistence and that desire to keep going is kind of the difference. When they really boil it down is, I didn't give up. I kept failing and I kept fighting and fighting and fighting. How can people develop that resiliency and persistence to keep fighting even though they just experience a setback? Because it's not about being disfigured or about being diminished or about anything else. It's honestly feedback. Right. It's like, that didn't work. Yep. Let's try this. Right. That didn't work. Let's try this. Okay, that didn't work. I was a little closer, so I'm going to do a little bit of that and mm -hmm. not any of that, and that'll get me closer. So it just comes down to this basic, here are the rules of the game. Yeah, <laughs> you know? right. Yeah. Whatever you want to be. If you want to be a doctor, here are the rules of the game. How are you going to get there? Right. You want to be in sales. What are the rules of the game? Right. What do I need to know? Get there. If you want to be in real estate, what are the rules of the game? Right. How do I you know, master those rules and really navigate all the pitfalls? And keep your eye on the prize, right? Because like, one of the things is you, you had your eye on the prize. You're finishing last, but you're going, I, I want a medal at nationals. I got my eye on a prize. I want to be on that Olympic stage one day. Well, and, and even that. I never was bold enough to dream for any of it. Mm. It just sort of came out of a newfound work ethic. Mm. You know, it's like, mm. I'm in skating, you know, I've got the right body type. I've got, you know, some things going for me, but I just didn't know how to train. I didn't know how to show up. I didn't know how to use the ice when I was on it mm -hmm. effectively. I didn't know how to 
plan my run-throughs, my diet, my rest periods, all that came out of beta testing, basically. Mm -hmm. It's like I had an agent once, and I go, I really want to do whatever, Project X. And he goes, yeah, I can do that. I've made every mistake you you can make in that type of thing. So, yeah, I'm totally your man. Right. Right. That's a perfect answer. Isn't it? I've already made all the mistakes. Right. And now I'm good. No one's ever going to step into something and Mm. be instantly fantastic. Right. You know, the true measure of success is longevity anyway. Right. You know, Amen. how are you going to leverage this and build and grow and be better and then, you know, bring people up and teach people what you've learned and make them better? And it's all the long play. Right. You know, it's not going to be overnight success. It's not going to be that instant gratification, those cheat codes you were talking about. It honestly comes down to a really set pattern of committing to the long haul and the whole process of allowing yourself to keep your eye on the ball and incrementally Hmm. get better without losing momentum or enthusiasm. Winston Churchill, that was his phrase, right? It's success is going from failure to failure without loss of enthusiasm. (laughs) So let's say we've had a few failures. You have a chapter in your book that I love and I think is super helpful. And again, a lot of this is to me, I think this book is for adults. And I don't mean that kids can't learn from it. I'm talking about people that are mature enough to take on what it takes to win. All my kids received a copy of this book. Oh, nice. Yeah, because my kids, I got two kids that want to stay championship in sophomores in high school. I got two boys that just went to college to go play volleyball. I got a girl who's the national championship horror ride. You've met the whole crew and the Buffini tribe. beautiful family. But I look through this process because there's great perseverance stuff in here. But there's a chapter in here that I think is a game changer for the vast majority of people. I, I speak to millions of folks, and I see this all the time. So people, I think, get the concept that, okay... There might be mistakes. There might be failures. Zig Ziglar used to say, failure is an event. It's not a person. Great. So you get past that. You have a chapter entitled, Break the Pattern of Losing. Can you speak to that for a second? Because I think when people are willing to go and they make a mistake and they're willing to go, they make a mistake. But ultimately, how do they break that pattern and start to go from feeling like they're a loser or losing to feeling that sense of momentum, I'm gaining, I'm winning? I guess it's, who am I today? Mm-hmm. Who was that yesterday? It's all my kids. Every day I tell them, what is the greatest strength? Mm-hmm. And they all kind of roll their eyes and they go, a lack of weakness, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So in order to be truly who you want to be, you've got to be able to recognize all the things that are preventing you from being who you truly want to be. And a lot of that for me was I wasn't consistent. I had bad technique on a few of the jumps. I hated compulsory figures. There were a lot of things I didn't like about my job, but I didn't like important things about my job. (laughs) They didn't come easy to me, and I didn't really enjoy the process of, you know, it was like boring. Like that's that's the lead generation side of our entrepreneurs that we coach and train. They know the benefit. They want to help people buy a home. They want to help them move. They love the hand and the set of keys to someone who thought they'd never own a home. But you got to do this grindy type stuff of writing notes yeah. and doing calls and doing Popeyes and bringing gifts. Those are the compulsories, right? Yeah, yeah. And if you're not good at those, and it's almost a great metaphor for everything else, compulsory figures are tedious, mm. but they also teach you a pure edge quality. They teach you the ability to control. They teach you the fundamentals of every single thing that comes off the ice to that blade and how that blade interacts with the ice. Mm -hmm. That's it. 
So when you think about everything in every business, there's always going to be those fundamentals where I'm going to have to understand how to do this. I'm going to have to understand, you know, what software I'm going to need to master, and I'm going to be able to do this and do that. Those are fundamental things. And if you're unable to do the fundamental things, you're going to really be weak when it comes to doing Mm -hmm. the really fun, fabulous So when I ask people, Scott Hamilton as a skater, what do you remember? 99% of the people say the same thing. Backflip. Backflip. It's about yeah. this dude did the backflip in this routine that just lit everybody. That's all everybody remembers. You're saying you became a world champion because you learned to do the part that wasn't even covered on television for years. The tedious the figure eights that are done while there's people on the ice. There's no music. Do they even have a crowd for the compulsories anymore? I, I don't, you know. <laughs> They eliminated compulsories in 1990. And from that came all kinds of injuries, Mm. overnight sensations that Mm. burned out as fast as they came in. Mm. It really was, fundamentally, Mm. it was the greatest thing, the grounding of the sport, the best part of the sport. Mm. And when it went away, it was almost like people weren't tethered to anything. It was Mm. just throw everything you can in a freestyle performance and see what you can do. Mm -hmm. Then they changed scoring, then they changed things, and they added all these other things to kind of mimic the movement of compulsory figures without the discipline and without the purity of quality and everything else. So you can't get around certain things. Mm -hmm. If you can't spell, you probably shouldn't write books until you learn how to spell. If you can't run, you probably shouldn't play soccer. Mm -hmm. If you can't skate, you might think, well, hockey probably isn't your game. (laughs) You know, it's like there's all these things Mm -hmm. like in business. If you don't like people, you probably shouldn't be in sales. Mm -hmm. You know, all kinds of things that, that are part of who we are every single day and a part of what makes us unique and special and beautiful and awesome in God's eyes. But it's how do we leverage those into really revealing our best self, mm. you know, whatever that is. Right. A great story. When I was at the Olympics in Pyeongchang, mm-hmm. the venue manager there was this great guy named Josh Lee, and we just hit it off immediately, and just a great guy. And I told him, I handed him finish first, he read it immediately, and, and he came and he goes, I want you to talk to my staff. And I go, why? And he goes, there's a part of our culture that, they're basically telling our young people, just do as you're told. Just do as you're told. Mm-hmm. Be obedient. Just do as you're told. Don't think outside the box. Don't. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's not good. I mean, that's, that's shooting your, you know, yourself in the foot if you're a culture. And he goes, will you talk to my staff? So I did. And at the end of it, a young girl came up to me. She was probably maybe a high school mm-hmm. senior, freshman college that age. And she goes, I don't understand what you're talking about, purpose. And I go, Mm. well, purpose is something that's really unique to you. And she goes, I don't understand. I go, let's break it down. What is your favorite thing to do? What is it something you love to do that you're naturally good at? And she goes, I love to read. Mm. And I go, you love to read. I go, what what were the last two books you read? And she said, Withering Heights and Jane Eyre. Mm. And she smiled when she said it. Right. And I looked at her and I go, you love the classics. And she goes, I do. And I just looked at her and I said, maybe you're an author. Mm. And the look on her face wow. was priceless. Mm. It was like she was finally given permission right. 
to dream just a little bit. And it was unbelievable. That and as a gift and affirming someone like that and so on and so forth. And we talk about knowing what you're going to persevere through, being willing to go from failure to failure, breaking the losing pattern. And so much of the book is very close to my heart topics I've been teaching on for a while. Has this know your purpose dynamic inside it? Yeah. Talk to me about that. Because you just kind of gave this great example of this gal with Wuthering Heights and if you wrote the book and all that happened was that conversation, <laughs> here's what I think. We're going to be reading her book one day, it seems like. Yeah. Well, that would be worthwhile. So talk to me about purpose a little bit and where people are and why most people are floundering in that area. Well, it's like I love, love, love the NBA. Mm-hmm. I love college basketball. Mm-hmm. I love professional basketball. I love watching it. I'm a huge fan. Uh, would I be a player? <laughs> No, I'm five foot nothing, and like, no, that's not going to happen. It's right. just not, there's nothing about it that's part of my identity. Right. And so it's like, okay, so maybe that's not a dream I should dream, you know? It's right. Like, but then I think about it, and it's like, well, if I skate, I'm right build, I got the right personality, I've mm-hmm. got a right work ethic. That's something that appeals to kind of my personal, emotional, right. intellectual, physical description. Can Michael Jordan do a backflip on ice skates? Never. Don't think so. <laughs> I'll never dunk, and he'll never, never, never. But you can buy a ladder and dunk. He can't buy a set of legs and flip. <laughs> but he gets going to harness. But it's like that. It's like, you know, we take stock. We take an inventory of, you yeah. know, kind of what we enjoy, what comes naturally to us, things that make us happy. All those things can reveal, you know, something that will bring your life great joy. It's like the old cliche that if you find something you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And that's so true because I love skating. I worked hard. I mean, I put so much effort and so much time and so much thought into it. And it was all for me about longevity. I never thought that I'd ever go to the Olympics. I never thought any of that because I was too busy coming in last in those formative years and falling five times at nationals in front of all those people and humiliating myself. But, you know, you, you work past it. You, you know, rise above it. You go, okay, what happened this year? Okay, I did that. How do I prevent that from happening again? Mm-hmm. And it's just sort of looking at those failures again, like we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. as feedback. And, and then there's the external part of it, which is criticism. Mm-hmm. You know, it's right. like nobody likes criticism. Nobody right. likes any of it. But you put yourself on social media <laughs> You're going to get, you know, blasted. Yeah. But here's the funny thing about that. There's two things about criticism that I adore. One is no one would ever say it to your face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? right. Oh, yeah. The other part of it is anytime you're given any kind of criticism, you can break it down into two categories. Is it fact mm-hmm. or is it someone's opinion? Mm-hmm. Example. When I was just starting to figure it out and I was coming up in the ranks a little bit and showing some signs of life, I had an international judge, high-ranking international judge, come to me and say, I'm really happy that you're doing well, but Mm. you have to understand that you're too short to ever be competitive internationally. Like, okay, wait a minute. Number one. How do I fix that? (laughs) (laughs) You lost the genetic lottery. (laughs) Right. But then I thought about it for a second. I go, who was the last guy from the United States to win an Olympic gold medal in men's figure skating? Mm. David Jenkins. Mm. How tall is David Jenkins? 5'4". Right. 
what in the world? Right. I mean, it's somebody's opinion. He can do right? it. I can do it. And that criticism is somebody's opinion. And that's all it is. Delete, right? right. It's the same thing with everything we're experiencing in our society right now right. about opinion television. There's no such thing as news anymore. No. Opinion television. Right. And it's become so toxic right. to all of us that yep. we have to choose a side mm -hmm. and then go all in on that side. And then yeah. we're just angry all the time. It's yep. like, no, no, no. We may never know what the truth is, but right now, in this moment, I've got to just shore myself up. Mm -hmm. I've got to be a productive member of my family, my business, my sport, my school. I've got to participate. I can't be afraid of failure. I can't be afraid of criticism. I just got to keep going and put the time in and the work and, yeah. and understand that you're getting stronger every day. You're getting more resilient every day. Right. You're getting more confident every day if you participate in it fully. People say, oh, you know, this stuff's all new. It's all new to our generation and social media and whatever else. I want to quote someone who came before social media. It was Aristotle said, the only way to avoid criticism is do nothing, say nothing, and be nothing. <laughs> and isn't that the truth? Isn't yeah. that the truth? There's always going to be somebody. Right. Now, you did something that a lot of people haven't done, though. I mean, you have this phenomenal story. You've overcome, and in, we covered it in your podcast. It's somewhat in the book. You know, the physical challenges you've had to overcome as a child, the physical challenges you've had to overcome in your life, the physical challenges you're overcoming in your life today. And, you know, when people are an inspiration, they never really think they are. They're just doing life. But you're an inspirational man who's achieved remarkably. And then you look at this dynamic of what you did in skating. Now, I've been around a lot of professional athletes, and what happened is they found their identity in what they did. So when the change came, when it came time to pivot, they couldn't do it. I've had friends who were great professional football players that never were able to move on to do anything else because they thought their success was because they were football players because they found their identity in it. You've had a series of pivot points in your life that I think are very valuable for people to learn from. And to me, I think you've finished first many times in your life. So we're talking about you being from the guy that was, what was the number? How many times do you remember you've fallen? What was the number? I can't remember something ridiculous. Well, it's the, the low end of it. It's 41,600 times. Wow. Right. <laughs> but this, yeah, but the, you're going to, if you're a skater, you're going to fall down, right? right? Yes. That's the first thing we teach our skaters that are learn to skate is, right. here's how to fall down safely, and here's how to get up because it's going to happen no matter what. You're going to fall down. If you're not falling down, you're not trying, right? Right. So I figured all the years that I skated and all the years that I learned and all the years that, you know, I tried to get better, I fell 41,600 times. Huh. But the cool thing is, is then you look on the other side of it, and it is, I got up. Yeah. 41,600. 601. 601. You've got to. You got up one more time, you went down. So you, you've gone through this. You went from the worst, fallen five times in the national championships. There's embarrassment. You're too small. You're too sickly. You're this and any other. And all of a sudden, you become the greatest American skater, the world champion, Olympic champion. And then you, you get a chance to pivot. So everybody gets to, when you're a competitive athlete, everybody stops playing at some point in time. And now you go, now we're going to turn it into show business, and we're going to do yeah. Stars on Ice. Now, the thread was there. Well, first of all, I did Ice Capade. Right. That was the only job available. Right. right. And they didn't want me because they've never really had a male Olympic champion before. Mm. You know, they're a big, huge production of the right. show. 
the president of Ice Capades, who I loved, adored, and respected, he said, it's a good thing you won the Olympic gold medal because you're too short to be in the chorus line. Wow. Okay? Nice. And I lasted two years with them. I never missed a show. I never missed a press call. I never missed anything. I was the best employee they ever had. And he congratulated me after two years, and he said, you did everything you said you were going to do. You skated at a high level. You never missed a show. You filled in for people that were injured, Mm -hmm. and you were a great ambassador for our company. But we have a new owner who doesn't want men. We're letting you go. Mm -hmm. Wait, wait, Wait a minute. Well, how does that compute? I never did anything wrong, and you're letting me go. Yeah. It's like two years that I've done. Yeah. And so I proved in that time of work ethic and the ice capades and doing that as mm. best as I could and learning that a company came and gave me the opportunity to build a show called Stars and Ice. Mm. There was nothing I wouldn't do in order to allow the next show to happen mm to bring in new skaters, new choreographers, new lighting people, new costume people. Hmm. I worked harder than I've ever worked in my life to build that company, and it still exists. Yes, it does. It's crazy. And it was an wild. It changed the world. It changed sports, entertainment. It changed entertainment. It changed the whole way people viewed skating. So we found out, A, you're too short. Now, B, you're the wrong gender. Okay, I'm not sure what else is left. Uh, Let's throw bald on that. Short and bald. <laughs> and I got it all. I mean, what else? What else? Oh, yeah, I'm old. Uh, yeah. What else? Uh, yeah. A guy in yep. girl sport. I mean, how many more doors can be slammed shut right. in face? It's all good. Yeah. You just keep going. You right. Just keep going. Right. You know? and, and, and this is why, again, we live in a world today where someone's on a reality show on Tuesday and they write their book on Friday. We have a show that says the mindset, motivation, and methodologies of success. And the only people we ever have on this program are people who've been there and done that, who speak a teachable point of view that's principle based from their experience. And you've had this experience of going through your childhood, your physical challenges, all that stuff to become this world championship Olympic champion skater. Then you go into the professional world, and the next thing you know, that doesn't quite work out until it works out unbelievably. Then you pivot one more time, and now, now, when I ask my kids first about Scott Hamilton, they go, yeah, oh, he's that really cool guy on TV. (laughs) My kids... I had to show them YouTube clips of you in that multicolored suit doing flips. I had to dig up YouTube clips of Stars on Ice. You pivoted one more time. We have a lot of people listening who were in a professional career who eventually got into real estate. They got into lending. They got into the business they're in now, and they've had to pivot. And sometimes they're going, but people see me as this, but I'm now this. I used to be a landscaper, but now I'm a lender. I used to be... You've pivoted many, many times. You're pivoting again, but... How did you pivot again to do the TV work instead of now? Now you have to use your voice. A TV business is radically different than your physicality of your skating ability. How did you pivot again? Well, it was funny because when I won the Olympics, CBS had taken over the rights for the World Figure Skating Championships. Mm. And so they didn't have a commentator. Dick Button was committed to ABC. So I was the Mm. logical guy to come in, and I thought – well, I mean, I can't really depend on skating because I have to be employed by somebody. And if they're offering me a job, I'll do that. But during those first years, I would do 
the European Championships and the World Championships, and that was it. My play-by-play guy in the beginning was John Tesh. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Five, right? Yeah. yeah. So when we did our oh, stand-ups at the beginning of the, of the competition, he'd have to be sitting down. That's how ridiculous and, it was. By the way, he also has the most boofed-up hairdo in the history of television, so that was even better. <laughs> that made him 6'8". Yeah. yeah, meanwhile, he's got this deep voice, and I look like I've been sucking helium for three weeks, so... So they put me with him, and I had, like, two competitions. I never really got to learn, mm. right? And so when they got the rights to the Olympics, I got a call from the executive director of CBS saying, you've got to get better. If you're going to do the Olympics, you've got to get better. Mm-hmm. And I was like, with all due respect, if you hire an analyst for football, he's got 20 games in one year where he learns every week. Right. I haven't had 20 games in six years right (laughs) you know i've had 12 games in six years so give me some stuff to do and i'll get better and he goes well you just got to do better and i go thanks for that great feedback (laughs) so i went to the olympics in 1992 and i had a research binder that was like this thick and on every page i wrote notes about every skater Mm. i was going to be locked down prepared Mm. i had notes i had lines i had you know pithy sayings i had everything Mm -hmm. and i did the pair event and the television critics despised me. They hated me. <laughs> they, and so Vern Lundquist, who is my partner oh, yeah. in crime, they all shielded me from seeing any kind of newspaper or anything else because they didn't want me to be offended or hurt or diminished by it. Finally, I got word of it. And when we got to the pair event, I was getting like, pull him off the air, take his headset, give it to anyone else. Mm. They do better, right? And I took my big binder and I looked at Vern and I threw it in the wastebasket. And I looked at him, I go, I got nothing. Hmm. Every single Olympic broadcast I've ever done, I'll sit there with on the desk with my hands folded and I'll look whoever's sitting next to me and I go, I got nothing. Hmm. And what I mean by that is I'm coming in with an open mind, mm-hmm. an open heart, and I'm going to absolutely 100% respond to everything I'm seeing in front of me spontaneously. Right. From those first two events in 92, by the end of the competition, I would found my way, I found my voice, I found my perspective. And from then on, I really feel like I was able to do a job that was the only job I could do, but mm-hmm. the, only, the only job that was available at the time was like, here's how it has to be done. Right. And I was able to stick with it. I've done eight Olympics. Wow. I've just been signed to do my ninth. Wow. That's insane. It is insane. insane. And and a couple of things with that is what I want to point out as a teaching point for everybody who's listening. What I get from what you just said is you did your preparation. You did your homework. You did all this. You're in this new environment. And by the way, you're in a new environment. You think you were on the stage when you were performing. When you are broadcasting, you're wide open for everybody. Because now you're not even a performer. (laughs) They just blast you because you're just talking. (laughs) Yeah. But what I heard from what you just said is when you had nothing, what you did was trust. Yeah. I have an affirmation I teach all the time. Just being myself is good enough to be great. Okay, God, you know, I need your help. I'm just going to be who I am and hope that's enough. And yeah. it is enough. My kids out around the Olympics, you know, one of the things we love, and you, I'll bust your chops a little bit. My kids will walk around the house, triple Salco! 
and they they are doing the double axle, and they they have all their little Hamiltonisms around the house. You know, they don't know ice skating from a hole in the wall. You know, they've done it three times in their life and fallen down, but they love it. And here's the thing: it's memorable, it's entertaining, it's your joy. So Thank your you. purpose you. and your passion comes through because you're just being yourself. When they stripped you down, all I have is me. And I think that's such a great transferable message to everybody. I think that's the only way you can finish first is you got to be yourself and you got to be convicted to it and you got to be all in. And what a remarkable thing. Nine Olympics. I mean, you know, just if I can encourage everybody, you know, we're, we're teaching people to have a bucket list. And one of the things I encourage people, put the Olympics on your bucket list. It is unbelievable. I'm married to an Olympian. You know, you guys are different cats. You guys are different human beings. You just are, and it's inspiring to be around. You guys think different. You act different. And and there's a little bit of that shine can fall on us if we'll just kind of follow in your footsteps a little bit. What you've done here is you've laid out 12 ways that one of the greatest winners of all time has learned to win. Thank you. And um, I love this book. I love the flow of it. I love where it can take somebody. I'm a big fan of books. I don't endorse many, maybe four or five a year, but... I'm going to encourage everybody, if you can go to Amazon or wherever great books are sold, finish first, and, and you're going to see what we've talked about just a little bit today come to life in 3D. A couple of things before we leave here, my friend. Scott, for all of us who are in the real estate side of things, they just bought a new home, and he is in the, yeah. we just brought the baby home from the hospital, and we don't know what to do with it phase. Uh, <laughs> just keep throwing money at it. The real estate industry sponsored a movie years ago called The Money Pit just to get yeah. people off our back. But um, Tom Hanks. Yep. If you're going to just encourage somebody, maybe there's some folks out there, they've been feeling low, things haven't been going well, they've had a few failures, They maybe they're stuck, maybe they haven't gotten up to try again. What would be, just as we finish up today, just a few thoughts or words of encouragement you'd have for someone, how they can go and, and go from feeling like they're a loser to being more of a winner? Well, I think a lot of it is, you know, it's it's just get up, you know, get up. First things first, get up. If you've been knocked down, if you've been betrayed, if you've been let mm. go, if you've been diminished, hurt, all those horrible things that can happen to us, you, you, the first thing first is get up. And then with your chin out mm. and your head held high, mm. just face it. Put your face mm. into the wind and just keep going because nothing ever happens from quitting. Nothing mm. ever happens from no. Nothing ever happens in a void. Not, you've got to roll up your sleeves and just get to it. And, you know, experiment. You know, there's a lot of things out there that some things work, some things don't. Right. But don't be afraid to put something out there. And, you know, whatever the feedback comes, that's it. It's information. Mm -hmm. When my son Max started playing hockey, it's one of my favorite stories, <laughs> two games in, they got destroyed. He was like, he, I thought I was going to have to put a neck brace on him because he was kind of like, <laughs> his head was flipping around. Like, he didn't, what's going on here? I have no idea what's going on. He got in the car really upset. He said, I don't like losing like this. I hate it. And I go, whoa, 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 let's break it down. What did you learn? He said, I, I, um, I don't know. I just, I, I got to skate better and faster. And I, yeah, I got to work on my stick handling. And then I saw him feel a little, it was, you know, twinkle in his eye. And he goes, and I want to get my shot right up in the corner of the net, <laughs> right there. Perfect. And I go, wow, buddy, that's impressive. What would you have learned if you won today? Mm. And he just looked at me like, is that a trick question? Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. just, 
We don't learn. We don't grow. We don't anything. So whatever's happened in your life, whether it be a loss of a job or a failed relationship or any other tragedy that can be devastating and debilitating, the next step is the most important step. Mm -hmm. The first step. Yeah, that's awesome. Get up, get to work, and just make the best out of every single situation you can because, honestly, almost everything in life is a decision. Mm. It really is. If you've been diagnosed with cancer, Mm. it's a decision. How am I going to beat this thing? If you've been through a divorce, Mm -hmm. what's the next step? Mm -hmm. What am I going to do next? How am I going to build back? And so much of it is just that very first step. Right. Which leads to the next step mm-hmm. and the next step and the next step. And and so much about winning in this life is not being afraid to compete, not being afraid to put yourself out there because honestly the, the world is built on competition whether we like it or not. Right. <laughs> so right. we might as well get in the game. Get in the game, play the game. the game. Instead of sitting on the sidelines watching I say to people all the time, if you could be as passionate about your own business as you are about the sports teams you followed. You know, because you're on the sideline there critiquing or challenging or even cheering for. When was the last time you cheered for yourself? You know, we watch other people yeah. with sports or news or whatever, and we're watching people instead of, hey, you remember the old Augmentino? It's get in the game, get down on the field. And that's, that's where it. the magic is. And so, well, you've been a magic man for a long time. And it's been just a great wow. joy to get to know you and, and learn from wow. you. I'm so fired up to see you in, later on this year in Canada. America's best export to Canada in a long time will be Scott <laughs> Hamilton in Toronto. Yeah. And in the meantime, you know, you have a book. This podcast goes to 160 countries. And you know what? You can all get this book on Amazon and uh, learn how to finish first. You're a great guy. I really appreciate you. Uh, Brian, Blessings you're, to you. You're one of a kind. I'm <laughs> so blessed by your friendship. Thank you for the endorsement of the book. Thanks for helping me get it out in front of people today because I really do think it, it'll make a difference in people's lives. You know, if they just understand how to be better than they've ever been. You bet. Where's the loss in that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. All good. Well, before we leave here today, let's go to the man from Galway, our producer, Mr. David Lally and hear the velvety voice himself and what he has to share with us. Thanks, Brian, and so good to hear from you, Scott. I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you'd like to hear Scott live, he'll be speaking at our Success Tour event in Toronto this coming November. To find out more about this two-day event, visit buffiniandcompany.com. We'd love to have you join us there. As we finish up today, let's hear from Brian's mom, Therese. May the road rise up to meet you. And may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields and the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time.